Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today Saul wants to talk about playing to your GM strengths and working on your weaknesses, which is a very long title. Sorry. I might have to shorten that somewhere, somehow. Just so we are clear, I wrote down things that we're supposed to talk about. I want to make sure to tell you what they are because Saul tends to go off on tangents. What? Me? Anyway, so I I think people who GM have various talents that they bring to the table. They're gifted in certain ways. Uh, every GM is different as far as what their strengths are. And every GM has weaknesses, right? Everything that they could work on to be better. This is true. Yeah, okay, good, good. That That's good. I wasn't sure. I think you can always work on stuff to be better at it. Even your strengths, you're right. I mean, the, I think. Musicians are always the ones that are, are very much like. If you don't practice, it's not going to sound good. Right. And they don't, they're never happy with anything, that what they, with anything they play. Painters are the same way. Artists. Okay. Um, people who make stuff. I think artists, I think it's just a, just a general term, right? Yeah. Whether they write, uh, whether you're a writer, a painter, uh, a wood maker. I mean. <laughs> a wood maker? Okay. As in you make things with wood. I got you. I got you. Unless you're a tree, then. <laughs> That's a special. They're called ints. Well, I, the only reason the reason I mention musicians is because they, they always, it seems to me, the few that I know is like they all sound really good, and they go, "Oh, I missed this note, or I didn't hit this note right," and I'm like, "Who the hell cares? Nobody noticed, but they notice." I'm so sure other musicians notice. Might too. notice, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say right now that okay. the strength. And the weakness can be the same thing for different people. Of course. Say yes. one person is has a strength in improv or, right. you know, someone just throws stuff at you and you just make up stuff as you go. Right. Somebody, that might be someone's strength and at the same time it might be somebody else's weakness. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's just start with some of them that I, that I read about and stuff. So say your, your strength is creating the setting and NPCs. Right. So that could be a really good strength, right? Because you're, you're, you're making everybody aware of where they are and pulling them into the story. At the same time, it could be a weakness because you won't. You have certain ideas about what's going to happen because of your setting and your NPCs. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. Right. Or you're overly attached to something. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that one. I had thought about the traditional, like voices, being able to do voices, being able to do accents. I'll admit, I had, I'm terrible at accents. I'll verify yeah. that he is terrible at accents. And so I, I don't know how to make an accent. I guess I could watch YouTube videos. There's supposedly YouTube videos that help you make accents or be able to say accents or. What do you call it? I think Talking the first part accent. is to decipher what other people are saying. <laughs> you don't do that well. Well, anyway, what I can do is change the way I talk, uh, depending on the character. And that doesn't take very much. And it doesn't even have to be a, a very, what is it? Oh, it doesn't have to be super creative in what I do. You know, sometimes I will, and just the other time I was, this last game I ran at the convention, they came across a guy, they were questioning the player characters, and the person was nervous, so I stuttered, right? That was like to convince them that this guy was really scared, big, huge, ugly cops, and I'm just a little person. And 
And it was funny. At one point, I was like, "Okay, okay, okay, right." And then, and then one of the, one of the players started cracking up. And I'm like, and he goes, "Oh no, I just it was, it was." He goes, "Your stutter was funny." He goes, "It was believable." I go, "Oh well, good." And I, and it was funny because like I hadn't really thought about it. Like I hadn't thought about this beforehand. It just came up when we were playing that they were questioning this guy. You know, yeah. What do you call it? Not interrogating this guy right <laughs> you know in the street and you know they're, they're like one one of course is playing the good cop they almost playing the bad cop and then like uh the bad cop was uh was david right he was like you're real gruff he was like, okay let's take him out so and so <laughs> we're not even you were playing what were you should say what you were playing we're playing blade runner blade runner okay. right so i thought it was really funny and i hadn't thought about it was an npc that they could come across and can use for information but I hadn't even thought about how they were going to interrogate him or question him. And, you know, well, like I said, they were playing the good cop, bad cop. And I thought it was very well done by them. Yeah. And, and, and because it was so well done by them, I just kind of got into this character. At first, he was kind of like, eh, whatever, F off, right? And then as they started to really like, you know, okay, you, you know, talk like that to us and started to uh, get mad, then like, he realized that he was in, in trouble. World, in trouble because there was no, like, if they wanted to, they could like easily, you know, make him disappear. So that is one of the things that people talk about: strengths and weaknesses with NPCs, or even just you telling the story of of or setting up the story for people. Is Saul is always saying that it's always better if somebody if you use a different accent or something like that. But that's often hard for people. The right. accent. The thing. accent. But you could use a specific characteristic about how that person talks and when you right. so and then your players will know after they've they've like if you're dealing with them for a few minutes they're going to realize that that's the person the next time they talk to them right right you're gonna, you'll, you'll probably do it the same way right and it doesn't have to be an accent it could be a tick or something right like i remember there was this guy called jervis or jarvis that that was in D D. And he would always like going like this, rubbing his hands together when he talked. I remember Steve laughing at one point because he's all, he's all, what's he doing with his hands? He goes, I don't know. That's what he does. And so every time, every time he would talk, it, like they would confront him or talk to him because he was like their uh, major domo, I guess. Is a, is a, he, he was in charge. In charge of their estates, right? And so. And why he was, he was a cleric, but he was a terrible cleric. He was more like a bean counter. And so... Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Someone's got to count those beans. Yeah, but he was very good at that. So, like, his, his ability to throw spells and stuff was terrible. I mean, and that's not very much like D&D, right? If you're a third-level cleric, you could actually heal people. But he was a third-level cleric. Well, who? Uh, how do you determine levels, right? He was a very pious cleric, but he had the... Didn't have the skill of healing. Yeah, healing very or well. he was in touch with the, the the Lord, you know, enough to throw healing. So I mean, he could, but it was very limited, right? He didn't have the, the higher level spells that he should have had. So hence, he was a bean counter. Anyway, so every time they talked to him, I just started doing that, and they're like, because he, he was very obsequious, but at the same time, he was just a real smart dude, and he knew that these guys were super powerful. And any time you could slap him, he'd be dead, right? Because, uh, you know, he had three hit points, right? I think you can develop those. And it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something really imaginative. It's just something that you can do, especially if they have a reoccurring role. NPC, right? 
and then and that's pretty cool for the for the for the players to be able to once they 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 start talking to him oh, okay I'm, i i remember this guy i know what he's like i think for npcs also if you give them a good name that people will remember yes. a silly name yes. or a, a name that that you're going to remember because when someone asks you what's his name cuz they want to write it down so yes. they can when they when they're looking over their notes they're going to remember who they're talking to right right well if you're like uh yes. bob then that's terrible that if, if but if you're if you Saul came up with a good good idea that I hadn't even thought about he uses professional rugby players names now for for, his, for, for men yeah for men well because he doesn't know all the women's names yet but that's a that's an interesting an interesting idea so maybe you know baseball players names or football American right, football I've done, I've done that too then or it, from your favorite TV show that you don't think anybody else watches, right? Right. Well, the reason and the reason I started doing that was because I'm terrible with names, right? And I talk to myself about it, and I go, "Okay, I gotta have a list of names for people who are inconsequential, but still, they, the players are gonna want to interact with inconsequential NPCs, right? Theoretically, not saying that they're gonna stay inconsequential because they may." inadvertently by my role playing and, and the and the interaction with the players becomes something of, of importance or something. Yeah, because you never know which NPC your players are going to latch on to. Yes. Like the storekeeper that you think is just going to sell them something. Yeah. They might want to have a 20-minute conversation with, right? And then like they, 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 they want to know their name. And then after that 20-minute conversation, they actually like this NPC, right? right? right. They're going, okay, so you're going to be the go-to guy that I always come to. I'm going to special order this and then I'm going to be and back in a month. what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What's his name again? I'm like, uh, so this could be one of your strengths or weaknesses. And if it's a weakness, I would suggest you come up with a oh one. I read this one guy said he hates coming up with names yes. for NPCs because it's names are like an important thing, right? Right. And you don't want to just use John, Mike, and Bob for every single NPC right. encounter that, because that's the one that you could think of. Not only that, it kind of detracts from the game, right? It's like, oh, okay, so this guy's an inconsequential character right? right when you're like oh uh, uh pin pin <laughs> tell okay so this is a guy we don't care about right he hasn't named him so he's not important right and that does happen that breaking that fourth wall that's why when you just throw out a name boom it's like oh and and it, and, it, um, and it's better if the player has no idea whether this is an important character right. or this is not an important character. So if you're naming all of your... So so this guy's suggestion was to just write down a bunch of names yes. on a piece of paper right. and just tick them off and, and, and attach them to the... Once they ask you for a name, attach it to that NPC, right? right? So write down, this is the barkeep or whatever. So I thought that was an interesting idea. And then I also thought the rugby player names was very interesting because the, I would... I would bust up when if Saul did something like that. Let's say well, his name is Mario Atoje, and I would be the only person at the table knowing who that is, and I would start laughing, right? Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that with you. I'd probably <laughs> use baseball players, maybe. <laughs> but I think that does happen. I mean, that happens with me because what happens is I get, no matter how much planning I do, I always forget something, right? And, you, it's inevitable. Right, and, I, and I'm like, and... I, and I do sometimes wait to the last minute to do things, right? I'm like uh, down to the wire, especially at convention games. And I'm like, and I'm like, I always tell myself, write down a list of names, write down a list of names. And then I actually wrote down a list of names in that adventure. But then I 
couldn't find that freaking list of names, right? So when I thought about rugby players, I go, oh, rugby players, I could do that. And so I just start spouting out different rugby players' names. Oh, who is the, who's the assistant to this uh, CEO, uh, Finn Russell? Bada bing, bada boom. Boom, I just started like, and it was like, I was like, whoa, like the... the, the like the, an epiphany? Yeah, the skies opened up and then the, 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 the sun shined on me. And I was like, I don't have to sound like I'm like, uh, uh, I could just spit out the names. I think you could do something like... Um, um, if you're NPC, you want him to be like like Harrison Ford in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. I don't remember his. I don't remember the character's name. But Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. <laughs> if you if you said, oh, this is Harrison Ford, then people would all of a sudden go like, if you if you made all your NPCs in one game actors, right? Then you, that would kind of give the people an idea that oh, this NPC he looks like Harrison Ford. This is what he talks. Like, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I had I, it just came to me right now, but I thought that might be a, a good way to just a, a suggestion of well, yeah, you, you if you want that vision of them, yeah, that character for that those players, yeah, you throw out the name and immediately they're gonna think, you know, Indiana Jones or whatever popular movie he was in. I right. think that's probably his most popular or and solo, yeah, depending on which way what game you're playing. I hadn't thought about that. So th- that's my weakness is coming up with names and writing them down and putting them down where I can read them, where I can like find them during play. So the next one that I came up with or that I that I w- when I did my research is like the person who is a, a, a tactician, right? A person who is has these great battles planned out, if that's your thing, right? If you're playing a game and there's going to be battles, right. everything is planned and in a way like, not planned like this is what the players are going to do, but planned like these are the bad guys and this is the situation. Go. Yeah, and this that, is what they're going to do. Right. This is the kind of tactics they're going to have. So the only the the um, the bad thing about that, or the the weakness about that, you have all these things planned out, and your players want to avoid battle at all costs. <laughs> so then you just have to go. Okay, that I planned all that out big deal we're just gonna move on and so you have to be able to to move on from that and not force them into that battle that you've created right remember the whole world shifts and then the battles in front of them know which way they go not if they don't want to fight <laughs> and you make them fight so you're right i think everybody had like i said that's a different type of uh a uh, strength people are really good at like i was even thought about art people who are really good artists they can make portraits of the characters or npcs make nice looking maps and you know because i've seen people make maps and then there's all kinds of props that people make like i've seen these uh gms at conventions and conventions where i really learned not learned but saw how other people gm Mm -hmm. and i'm like wow if i can incorporate that into my game or something like that not totally copy it that makes it more immersive in the game right like this one guy he had a what was a world war ii game i don't even know remember the rules but the but the, it looked like a the, the character sheet looked like like a form you fill out for the army right it had all kinds of stamps on it that he had been immunized this and that and and it had a coffee stain on it and it looked really cool and not everybody's character was like that like this form that you mm-hmm. fill out mm-hmm. you know like joining the army i think it was a military world war ii game and I thought this was really neat. I had his picture of it, like like a, with a paperclip. There wasn't a paperclip, but it looked like it had a paperclip. Yeah, yeah. And it was really neat. It was really well done. And I was like, and then I'm like, how did you do it? And I think the person said he used 
Microsoft Publishing or some, something yeah, like something that, right? That he cre- just created That he knew how to manipulate that mic. And I try to do that myself, and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do it. It is a special, it's a certain skill set <laughs> that you have. <laughs> and, I, and I thought the props were really neat. So, so what, I would, what I did when I was running, I was running a Tecamo game. And since it's not a, it's a, it's a, it's an old world, right? It's like ancient type of world. So I did all the all my all my notes or all my stuff by hand, remember? right? And I and I use wax seals yes. for people to open. Yes, I and burned it, my thumb yeah, on that <laughs> game with him and his wax seals. So, uh, uh, by the way, wax seals are not really made out of wax; they're made out of this plasticky stuff. So if you spill it on your finger, get it off right away. It Otherwise, it makes like a whole burning hole yeah, in your it, hand. It was pretty hot and. Don't let Saul have the fire. That's all I got to say. Anyway, so I was like... Well, th- those props and those kind of props are good for games like, say you're playing Pendragon or yes. a Call of Cthulhu or um, a game. What's that game that I want to play that you haven't run for me yet? The the um, the Regency Romance oh, Jane uh, Austen game. Something about good good intentions or something so things games like that you know you can come up with all kinds of things you can make a tea sound you know cucumber sandwiches and has served tea and <laughs> have like cool little letters that you hand out to people if right. you want to go that kind of thing uh, but even if you just write something down on i'm just going to tell you right now if during your game you tear off a piece of paper and write a note to one of the players and hand it to them they're going to think that's cool just well, I, I think what what happened in that in that game Tecamo is that I had a bunch of I've been practicing and I'm still practicing and I still suck at it is calligraphy. So I wrote all these things out in calligraphy, all these notes, or basically it was a it was a way of of letting the players get some get a decision written right away, right? So I gave them a, a, a an envelope that they busted open with the wax seal and they read something and they had to decide. Yes or no, and then when they decided yes, I gave them the yes envelope, and then they buzzed that open. And if they said no, I had something else in that envelope written. So there was all these decisions right away after reading. You know, it wasn't like I wrote a lot. It was maybe a it paragraph. It was a sentence or two. yeah, it was a paragraph and describing what the situation for that character was. And what was funny is at one point, uh, it doesn't matter, but it was very interesting, and, and it got the the players really interested because they were tearing open all these envelopes. And they're like, wow, this is really cool. And and I wrote, you know, I I wrote the not on lined paper. I I had these uh, these sheets of plain paper that I, I got out of an artist notebook. And so it was a little bit rougher paper. So it kind of added to the whole ambiance of the game. And so when right away that that got the characters, the the characters, the players, you know, interested in their own characters, and then wanted to figure out what was going to happen. And I think that was really good. And I have a picture of it. I don't, know, I don't know if I could do that in the, can show anyway. you in the podcast, but it was pretty cool. And I've done that in the past. I've done that with a lot of props. And and the only problem with props is it takes a long time. I I hand wrote all those letters in calligraphy. I did it for. Six players, I think it was. Every player had a paragraph. Every player had a yes and no answer. And bada bing, bada boom, it was a lot of stuff to write. And like I said, you don't have to do it just so fancy as Saul did. You could type it up on, on Word and print it out and stick it in an envelope and do a seal if you wanted to. <laughs> somebody, just be careful with those Somebody seals. said that. She goes, he goes, did you actually write this out? And I go, yeah. I goes, why don't you just use like a calligraphy on 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 the on word on the font? I'm like, and I just put my head down. I'm like, I think uh, yeah, that would have been much easier. 
But they go, they go, oh, but this is really cool. I go, so, okay. But the thing is, so, so say you're good at props, but say you're not good at props. Yeah. It's all, you can just do theater of the mind, right? It's the same, right? Right. Right, exactly. You could just like scribble, the, just write, type it out and then, and then show them it to, and then no wax seal or nothing. And because I went out and bought wax seals and I bought all this stuff. That well, He already had that before. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Anyway, so, so you're right. I didn't have, you don't have to go above and beyond, but. That was just me trying to get the char- the characters, the players invested in the game. And that was something that I learned from other GMs, simply watching and playing in other people's games and seeing, man, that really looks cool. And I, and I remember how I felt when I re- looked yeah. at these props. Like sometimes they would hand you notes and sometimes it was all, you know, in period type of, uh, of notice or l- the look of it. And I was really, I was really fascinated by it, and I really thought it was really neat. So I wanted to incorporate something like that into my game. You you picked that up when I don't know I don't know which came first, but in your Monterey Dresden game, you used you actually went online and printed out like a an autopsy report kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And you, so you could have an official kind of document looking yes. document, and yes. then you you changed the stuff on it. Right. Well, I filled it out. Yeah. And then <laughs> people were like. And then I, I had done that, and I had taken pictures. Well, at one, I had, we had gone to Monterey and taken pictures, and I had taken all kinds of pictures of different areas. And We really look like tourists that day, like we've never been there before. <laughs> and I took all kinds of pictures of, of scenes for, for my game. Right? I go, oh, this would be a good scene for, for this game I have in mind. So I took a picture of like Bubba Gumps, which was yeah. one of the things that was going to take place near there. I took a picture of the... Of the of the various places around Canary Row, which is the main location of all my games in Monterey, Dresden game that I ran. And and when people were going, well, what, like they had maybe they'd never been there. Like, well, what does it look like again? And so, boom, I showed them. I, I printed out this big old picture on a, on a piece of paper. And they're like, oh, this oh, is, okay. This is why I always have to bite ink because he's always <laughs> printing out pictures. And that, was, and that almost takes no artist skill, right? Right. You can Just take, take a, a picture, picture and print it. And if you really, you know, you, let's say you don't live close to Monterey or the location. You can just find it online. Yes, you could Google it. You go to images. Go to Monterey and they'll have all kinds yes. of in- images. of. And it's sure, it might be copywritten, some of them, but you're not going to make money off it. You're going to run into the game. So, but and who's gonna know? And who's gonna know? So, I think that can add, you know, all these little things you can do to add stuff to your game and strengthen your game, where maybe in the past you never used those kind of things, the props. So that's one area that if it's a weakness of yours, you could always step up, and it doesn't have to be like a huge step. It could just be slow incremental steps as you get better and better at either manipulating uh making forms on on the computer or downloading stuff that you can find online i think one of the biggest resources i I had at the time was call cthulhu and i don't know off the top of my head what the name of the website was but they had a a call cthulhu players and made this website he's pointing his finger at me that autopsy uh, thing was from that website because you know they always have find dead bodies and stuff that was one of the resources I used. But it was, the problem was that was from like the eight, 18, 1950s or 40s. And I, I'm playing a modern game. So I, I had to like physically, you know, blur out all the... No, all, I think you actually went to Monterey County and got something. No, no. Out. What I did is I took the Monterey... I went to Monterey County official website 
and got the symbol. And I just took the, the took the, the seal. Copied it. And I copied and pasted it onto that the thing. Which you're not going to get in trouble for because um, you weren't using it to make money or trying to <laughs> fake something. It was, I guess. it was literally just for a game. I had thought about that. I guess making a false document. <laughs> I, it's not really a false document when it's for a Monterey Dresden game. Anyway. You could explain it and you wouldn't have to lie at all. Yeah, I wouldn't have to lie at all. So... Next one that you're thinking about? Well, we talked about voices. We mm-hmm. talked about prop. I talked about art. You know, like if we talked about how you can make uh, pro portraits of people. But you can always, if you're not that talented in art, you can find portraits of people online. Or now you can make an AI. You could. Portrait, right? If you don't want to use other people's faces that actually exist. And the ones that, the one pretty cool ones to use are actors, right because then yes. it, it, it it's like little whatever whatever kind of actors you want if you want a bunch of military looking guys then you could pick a movie and put those guys yeah in. and i've done that in the past i did that when i've done that on almost all my previous character portraits or it kind of gives it kind of gives um like it, it it gives the game it's a way to immerse people in it or just give them a a cool looking person and they go or any person they're oh this is what my character looks like right right maybe they don't if and if they want to change it then tell them they don't have to use the picture right right one of the, I, I think I talked to him about a past in my tales from the loop game uh, because it takes place in the eighties I like getting old pictures of uh old pictures pictures of 80s actors kid actors because you play kids and i i'll like i get once again use up all jolene's ink and i'll make and i'll, and I'll look and i'll get like 50 characters and I, uh portraits and uh i mean actors and i just throw them on the table i go pick a pick, kid pick which one pick a want. kid that looks like you re- will represent you yeah. and and when part of the fun is them uh, the the players anyway figure out who that person is and if they're adults, they can remember who those people are. And if they're kids or like or younger people, they're like have no clue as to who these people were, which I thought was kind of funny. And when you have a mixed group, they're going, "Oh, this is uh, Todd Bridges," or "This is uh, Winona Ryder," which right. some kids might know through Stranger Things. In fact, I had three pictures of Winona Ryder, and they're like, "This is the same. This is Winona Ryder because they had her. One was from uh, where she was wearing a lot of dark makeup. Yeah. Another one where she's has like." almost blonde hair and it's kind of like glammed up and she does look a lot different but then obviously you can tell she's Winona writer. well I, I, I don't know I, it was really interesting I think those kind of things you can do pretty easy so when I say play to your strengths I think you can really like and I only mean lean into them if you're really good at something if you're really good at voices then by all means you know use voices because that's going to immerse your your players into the game uh, props do the same thing now, what do you do if you have weaknesses? Like that—that that was me when I ran, when I was like going to conventions and I see these other role, play, other or GMs doing all these things, voices and props. Because I was kind of a simple GM, right? I would just like show up. Maybe I had a mat and figures, and and that was it. There was no props. There was no portraits of characters. Uh, I had character sheets, but they weren't all that fancy. And I experienced other GM styles and how they ran games. I was like, wow, this really does add to the experience at the table. Especially, I mean, it's for me, it was especially at a, at, a, at a game convention where I'm playing with strangers and, and I want to have them have a good experience. 
So um, some of the other things that I think are strengths or weaknesses is being able to pivot when your players throw you a curve. (laughs) Being able to, I think a weakness is is running a railroad game. And sometimes if you're running a a four-hour convention game, it has to be a little railroady. But you should always be willing to let the players run with something they want to run with and just adjust as you go, right? Right. So... Um, don't be so attached to your story that if if the players can't figure out what it is you want them to do, have one of their ideas be what happens, right? Right. Or the answer to the puzzle. And I, I don't know I don't know if you consider that a strength or a weakness, but I think it's both, right? You 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 need to be able to the weakness is not adjusting. Right. And the, the strength would be to allow the players to have their player agency and do what they're gonna do. I think one of the toughest, toughest times, toughest things to do is timing, right? Like I'm, I don't know how good I am at pacing. This pacing is a big deal in GMing circles right now, and people talk about pacing. I really have no clue. I just want, I guess, keep the game moving. To use Ezra's term, how to keep the players excited about the game and interested in the game, so they don't sign off and like start looking at their phones or picking their nose or something like that. So. So one of one of the things is to make sure that the game is moving forward and when and like you said pivot you know if things aren't working the game is kind of stalling know when to move away from what or change the direction of the game by offering a different clue or by asking asking a, a question of the of the players and then what their response is going to point them in the right direction I saw this GM doing that I forget I don't remember what game it was but we were stalling, right? We were like, and so the the GM asked a general question to the group, and then one person said something, and and then everybody goes, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." And so we follow that, and and later on, I asked the GM, "Hey, was that part of the plot?" And he said, "No, it was my plot laid elsewhere." But to get there, you just went around a different. You know, he yeah. went around it at a different from a different direction, and he goes, "You ended up in the right spot, but you guys needed to, needed to move." I go, "Wow, that was a pretty good idea," because like we were up against the wall, and we're like, "Huh, trying to figure out what's going on." And he just asked a question, and then the, and then when somebody answered it, we all go, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea," and then we just we follow that lead or that you know what what we thought would be a good way to go. And then actually, it turned out to be a good game because we were like, like I said, we, and nobody wants to sit there going, you know, tearing their hair out trying to figure something out. And I think as a GM, noticing that and realizing that that's not fun for anybody, and being able to to get the game moving again is is really important for the players to have fun. So you're right, pivoting, being able to decide uh, when when the game is stalling and the players are starting to get a little bit not not agitated but he's using hand hand gestures now just so you know <laughs> so I'm trying to get I'm trying to get you to come up with the right he's trying to when he does that he wants me to come up with the word that he's thinking of <laughs> how do I know what he's thinking exactly yeah so i think any every gm has those kind of has those kind of talents one way or another and i think when they really lean into those kind of things that's where they're like their wheelhouse, whatever you want to call it, and they do really good. And I think, for me, I think just reacting to the players' uh, 
responses and 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 things like that i'm pretty decent at and i love doing that i love that that back and forth role-playing aspect uh like i said you know coming up with names i misplaced my list or i forget to write it down and i i've developed a way of coming up with names without having to look around the room looking for something interesting to so that's my last one what's that being prepared or unprepared yes it can be a, a a strength or a weakness, right? <laughs> yes. You can be overprepared or underprepared. Right. And I think that as a as a GM you should be you should have the right amount of preparedness so that you're able to have the scenarios to put out to people and also be able to um, change it, right? Not be so stuck to your story that you yeah. want told, right? No, definitely. I think that is a tough one because I probably overprepare in a certain sense because I write a lot of things down, right? In that last Blade Runner game, I wrote pages and pages of notes and I didn't look at him once. <laughs> yes, but by writing out those notes, you were preparing yourself, right? right? That, and, that's what, and that's why I write them out, right? And so I, you, that's, a, that's, a, that's just a way to remember what you want to know, right? right? Like, for example, some people are really good at running uh, published adventures. I suck at them because when I'm running a, a published adventure, I'm reading somebody else's ideas or stuff. And so I always want to refer to them to see if I get something right, if I'm if to get to the to the end of the adventure. When I have my own adventure, there's nothing for me to remember other than what I you know, other than what I came up with. And it's much easier for me to remember that kind of stuff. So that over preparedness, I think for me, is what I need just to get the story straight in my head. And whether I use those notes or not, it's useful for me. So that's that's kind of over prepared, but not really. And under prepared I think it's a it can be a strength because you, if you're and I don't think underprepared is a good good word. I think it's just not having a lot of stuff written down. And if if you're good at uh, improvisation and coming up with stuff or reacting to what players are are giving you, then that could be your wheelhouse, right? That could be something that you're good at, and you don't want this railroad type of game, and you don't need that kind of stuff. But what you want is just notes, just a general idea of what's going on. And that could be... By underprepared, that wasn't exactly what I meant. Oh, what do you mean by underprepared? Not knowing what's going <laughs> to... Not having anything prepared. Oh, wow. Yeah, that... I've been there, right? And that that's not good for anybody. I would say that I've been playing at conventions since about 1995. Because when I used to go to conventions, I never used to play. So about 1993, I used to start playing at conventions at least once or twice uh, a weekend. Safely say I've only been in one game that was really bad, and that was because the GM was really unprepared. He hadn't finished making the character sheets. He hadn't done stuff. Uh, the plot was very. There was you could tell that the person hadn't had thought about it, but hadn't followed through. Followed through, right? And what happened was there was too many of us, and we were just we're just floundering. We're just trying to figure out what to do, and. And it was kind of a miserable experience. And that's one out of 30 years of gaming at conventions. And there's been some games that are better and some games that are worse. Not worse. Some games that are better games and not, not so good games. But they've all been entertaining, to say the least. So, that Paulie, you're right. Having totally unprepared or really not having a, an adventure for a, a, a game is probably the, the worst thing you could probably do. 
I don't know if it's the worst thing you can do, but it's one of your, it could be a weakness. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I think what, what, what I'm saying is like, if, well, and I think Jolene agrees, if you're good at something, always bring that to the table. And if you're, and if you are weak in certain things or not as good, just work on them, work on them. And, and that's what we are. You know, we are, we GM, we, we play, we learn from, from every time we run what works and what may not work as well. And we get better every time we play. Every time I run a game, I'm like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that. I should have thought of that beforehand. And, you know, I've been I've been playing for years and years, and I'm still learning stuff, and I'm still learning how to deal with situations. Well, and I think the other thing is if you're preparing a game for a convention or you're going to run it somewhere with people you don't know, it's always good if you have a, a availability to play with your friends, do a play test, right? Right. Because yes. that's going to help you work out the kinks. That's what Saul did for his Blade Runner game. Right. And that was, I got to be part of that play test and part of it was good. And part of it was me banging my head against the wall going, I can't figure out your clues. Okay, so that that was the difference in that game, right? The the game I ran you through was yes. was, was a was a pre pre made pub adventure, yeah. yeah. And the one I ran was I still used some of the props and I still used some of the stuff, but it was my game that right. I came up with. So there wasn't like, which helped you to to know that running right. a pre made one running a pre made adventure is not always easy because right. the the clues that they're giving out may not be clues that your players players are gonna follow, right. <clears throat> But some people are really good, like Morgan and and uh, Shannon. They run a lot of published adventures, and they're really good at it. I believe also that Morgan and Shannon probably change stuff about the published <laughs> adventures. Well, I think because they're both very, very um, on their feet kind of guys, right? True. They can they can adjust what what's going to happen, and maybe you don't do exactly what was in the published adventure, but you get to the the ending, or you or right. or they just use certain parts of it, right? Right, and I, and that's a good GM. You can ask them, but I'm pretty sure that that's what they do. Right, I'm pretty sure they do. Uh, but me, on the other hand, is it, a lot of times I don't. We're also the, trying to learn the rules. Yes, that's the other thing. That's the other thing about playtests. You you can playtest and learn the rules before you. If you're gonna, this is for running for people you don't know. If it's your friends, you can just play and yeah. learn as you learn go. As you go, and you get better, and then figure things out. Yeah, for like, do, this is for new games that like you have no shields. Before. Yeah. No shields on shuttles. <laughs> so I think it just the best thing you can do as a GM is just keep GMing. And right. players out there who have never GM, give it a shot. At the very least, you appreciate what your GMs do for you, and you appreciate them a little bit more possible. And you might just discover that you like it. Yes, <clears throat> yes. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.